Welcome back to Sage Spirituality. This is part two with your host, Joel Marbit. St. Anthony the Great wrote these words in the desert in Egypt, one of the great desert fathers. And I've shared part of this quote before, but I want to share the entire quote. He gives us a way that we should approach the Ten Commandments in our life. He says these words. He said, The truly intelligent man pursues one sole objective, to obey and conform to the God of all. With this single aim in view, he disciplines his soul, and whatever he may encounter in the course of his life, he gives thanks to God for the compass and depth of his providential ordering of all things. For it is absurd to be grateful to doctors who give us bitter and unpleasant medicines to cure our bodies, and yet be ungrateful to God for what appears to us to be harsh, not grasping that all we encounter is for our benefit and in accordance with His providence. Now, I want you to think about that. He says, we celebrate doctors who give us medicine, bitter medicine that will save our life, but we complain to God because God gives us rules and God gives us laws to follow. Not very many, but he gives us several laws that should not be negotiable in our life. And we complain about those laws, but those laws keep us from harm. And those laws have been placed there so that we would benefit from those laws. Now, going back to G.K. Chesterton, something that he said a hundred years ago that's absolutely transforming. He said, no man can break any of the Ten Commandments. You can't break the Ten Commandments. He said, man must realize that he can only break himself against the Ten Commandments. Now I'll read the quote just the way he wrote it. No man can break any of the Ten Commandments. He can only break himself against them. Now think about that. He's saying you can't really break the Ten Commandments. God placed the Ten Commandments there to keep you whole. You can only break yourself on the Ten Commandments. You can only not obey God and because of not obeying the Lord, fall into a painful situation and be broken yourself. Now, Irenaeus kind of gives the cream on the cake here when we're talking about the reason that we have the Ten Commandments. We have the Ten Commandments as a benefit. And I love the way he explains this. He says these words that are very, very simple. He says, the glory of God is man fully alive. God does not come into your world to make you a robot. God comes into your life to give you life in abundance. God wants to make you the best you you can possibly be. God wants to give you the most incredible life, a life that's greater than anything you could ever hope or ever ever dream of He wants to give to you. And He knows the way you're wired, and you're wired like all of the rest of His creation. Every other man, woman, and child on this planet, wired, we're made in the image of God. And the way that we can find that image buried underneath our sinful nature is by living a life obedient to the Ten Commandments. There's a famous movie. If you go online and you just Google Ten Commandments, the first thing that's going to be at the top of the list, probably right after Wikipedia's 
uh, explanation of the Ten Commandments is going to be Cecil B. DeMille's movie, The Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston as Moses and Parting the Red Sea. This, you know, I, I think they did it with dump trucks filled with jello and uh, this amazing movie. It's worth watching. It's a really good movie. But uh, I don't, I'm not going to claim that Cecil B. DeMille was an expert in the Ten Commandments, but he did make a quote about the Ten Commandments. He said, God gave us free agency, and then he gave us the commandments to keep us free. The reason God placed the Ten Commandments in your life is to keep you free. He doesn't want you to suffer harm, and he doesn't want you to suffer emotionally. He doesn't want you to suffer physically, and he definitely doesn't want you to suffer spiritually. And because of that, he's placed that in our life. He's made us free agents. We can choose whether we follow or we don't follow. But he's given us free agency so that we would remain free, so that we can freely choose to live a life and live it abundantly. Now, how do we live out the Ten Commandments in our life and not fall into legalism? Okay, that's a fair question. How do we follow the Ten Commandments and not become like the Pharisees? How do we not judge ourselves against other people? How do we get to a place where we genuinely are following God's commands, and we're doing it the way God intended us to do it. Rather than becoming prudish and long face, we're full of joy and we're full of life. How can we do that? Now, Jesus gave us insight into this question when he gave us the greatest commandment in Matthew 22. A, a, a teacher of the law came to Jesus and asked him, he said, what's the greatest commandment? Remember, 613 on average uh, Mosaic laws. And this young man came to him and he asked Jesus to tell him what's the most important thing we can do. And Jesus responded with two answers. And he said, first of all, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And afterwards, we've got to love our neighbor as ourself. So I'm going to tell you three things that we have to do if we do not want to become legalistic. Number one, We've got to love. Number two, we got to love. And number three, can you guess it? We got to love. No, number one, we've got to recognize when we talk about love, God's love towards us. If we do not grasp that God loves us and we can trust him, then we'll never be obedient to his law. If we feel like that God is wanting to destroy us or God is wanting to make us suffer, just some kind of, uh, of celestial masochist or something that wants to make his people suffer. If that's our thought about God, that he's just sitting up in heaven on edge, waiting on someone to step out of line so he can throw suffering and pain into their life, then you're never going to live obedient to the law of God. And you're going to become a legalistic person. We have to realize that God loves us and God's trustworthy. We can trust God. I love the way that Augustine put it. He said, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. There's billions of people in the world, but God loves us as if we're the only people on the planet. We're the apple of God's eyes and he loves us tremendously. Now, Henry Blackby, he's not a, a church father. He's a Baptist writer from the past uh, century. 
but he wrote these words that really apply to this situation. He says, if you know that God loves you, you should never question a directive from him. It will always be right and best. When he gives you a directive, you are not just to observe it, discuss it, or debate it. You are to obey it. That's a pretty powerful statement. If we truly believe that God loves us, if we truly believe that God has our best interests in mind, when we read the Ten Commandments, we don't have to debate it. We don't have to discuss it. We just trust Him because we know that whatever He tells us to do, that realistically it's going to be for our benefit. And you know, the Ten Commandments fit into a special place because that's about the only thing God's ever written with His own finger. That's very, very important for us to remember. I want to go back to a church father here who helps us grasp maybe a way that we can make the Ten Commandments into something a little more a little more enjoyable and a little less like law. You know, I don't know very many people except lawyers that want to sit around reading books of law. But listen to this quote. Let us give thanks to God continually, for it is outrageous that when we enjoy his benefaction to us indeed every single day, we do not acknowledge the favor with so much as a word. And this, when the acknowledgement confers great benefit on us, he does not need anything of ours, but we stand in need of all things from him. In point of fact, thanksgiving adds nothing to him, but it brings us closer to him. For if we recall the benefactions of men, we are the most warmed by affection for them. Much more when we continually bring to mind the benefits of the master towards us, we shall be more earnest with regard to his commandments. Now, this is, uh, is St. John Chrysostom. And St. John Chrysostom is writing, I don't know, 300, 400 AD. And when he writes these words, what he's saying is, is when I thank someone for doing something, it, it opens up my heart to that person. It makes me open to them. It makes me more intimate with them. And it does the same thing with God. When we're thankful to God for his law, I want you to think about that. When was the last time you thanked God for the Ten Commandments? When was the last time that you woke up and you said, God, thank you that you've taught me how you want to be worshipped. The first four laws have to do only with God, and the last six laws have to do with our neighbor. I want you to look at that. It's kind of an amazing deal, right? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the summary of the Ten Commandments. God's telling us the way he wants to be worshipped, and he's also telling us something very, very clear. He's showing us how we should love our neighbor. That if we love our neighbor, we're not going to steal from that person. We're not going to lie about them. We're not going to commit adultery or be uh, covetous of them. And if we love God, we're not going to take God's name in vain. If we love God, we're going to honor him. We're going to take a day of rest. We're, going to, uh, we're not going to have idols in our life. And we're going to allow him to be the center of our universe. That's the place he wants to be. And see, when I thank God that I have the rules, all of a sudden... I start appreciating those rules, and it makes it a whole lot easier for me to obey those rules. If I start complaining about the rules very, very soon, I'm going to start 
being contemptible toward those rules. I'm not just going to hate them. I'm going to despise those rules. I'm going to feel like those rules are put in my life only to bring me uh, down and only to pull me back. But that never has been the intention that God had. Now, the second thing we can do after we are very, very firm in the fact that God loves us, the second thing that we have to realize when we talk about this, remember, love, number one. Number two, love, but we're talking about our love of God. No, John uh, 14, Jesus teaches us something very, very clear. He said in John, in, in verse 15 and verse 21, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 21, he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. What Jesus is saying is very, very clear. If you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, then don't negotiate obedience. Just do what I've told you to do. It's a sign of the way we love God. Now, just to put that in order, we're not doing what we're doing to gain God's love because God loves us without measure. We can't do anything to earn more of God's love, but one way of showing God that we love Him is by being obedient to His commands. Now, one of the church fathers, Cyprian, he wrote in about 500 AD these words. He said, to put on the name of Christ and not to go in the way of Christ what else is it but a mockery of the divine name, but a desertion of the way of salvation? Since he himself teaches and has always taught that he shall come unto life who keeps his commandments, and that he is wise who hears and does his words, that he, moreover, is called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, who thus does and teaches, that then will be of advantage to the preacher what has been well and usefully preached, if what is uttered by his mouth is fulfilled by deeds following. Basically what he's saying is he's saying, even if you're a preacher of the word of God, you have to live out what you're preaching. You have to be obedient. If you're not being obedient to Jesus, you're a hypocrite for considering yourself a Christian. A mark of Christianity is that you're obedient to your Savior. Augustine says this, he said, Love God and do whatever you please, for the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. I'm going to read that one more time. Love God and do whatever you please, for the soul trained in love to God will do nothing, nothing to offend the one who is beloved. Isn't that lovely? If you're so in love with God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you cannot help but be obedient to his commands. There's no way of doing anything else. Love God and do whatever you please. Now, the third thing, can you remember that one? Love, number one. Number two, love. Number three, love. But it's our love of our neighbor. It's our love of our brother. The message says in 1 John 5, 1 through 3, every person who believes that Jesus is in fact the Messiah is God begotten. If we love the one who convinces the child, we'll surely love the child who was conceived. The reality test on whether or not we love God's children is this. Do we love God? 
Do we keep his commands? The proof that we love God comes when we keep his commands and they are not burdensome. You know what? The proof that we love God is not just that we follow a bunch of rules. It's because we actually love our neighbor. We love the people that God's put in our life. We don't judge them. We love them. God's never called us to be the judge of other people. If you've ever felt like that was your call in life, you need to take a few steps back and realize that your call is to love. Now, John Newton, uh, an amazing man, amazing man of God from England, wrote these words. He said, I endeavored to renounce society that I might avoid temptation, but it was a poor religion so far as it prevailed only tended to make me gloomy, stupid, unsociable, and useless. That's a pretty pretty strong admission there. John Newton says, you know, I tried to become a legalistic person. I tried to separate myself from society and separate myself from other people. But realistically, the end result was I was gloomy, stupid, unsociable, and useless. God did not call us to live our lives removed from other people. God called us to be salt and light. God called us to be in the middle of everything that's going on and to show love. Now, how do we become someone's brother? How do we show that we're their neighbor? I love what Henry Nowen said in a book called Bread for the Journey. He said, we become neighbors when we are willing to cross the road for one another. There's a lot of road crossing to do. We're all very busy in our own circles. We have our own people to go to, our own affairs to take care of. But if we could cross the road once in a while and pay attention to what is happening on the other side, we might indeed become neighbors. If we want to become a neighbor, we got to cross the road. What the Good Samaritan did when Jesus taught the parable, and he was talking to the Jewish people, he showed a Pharisee, he showed a priest that walked past and crossed the other side of the road and stayed far away from the pain of the other people. But the Good Samaritan did just the opposite. He got right with the person, and he got his hands dirty. You know, there's a lot of times, rather than judging and criticizing, the very thing that we need to do, the most godly thing we can do, is not stand up on a pedestal and shout out the sins of another person or point out all the errors that they have. One of the greatest things we can do, one of the most godly things we can do, is to cross the street. We can just go across the street and we can allow God to make that person our neighbor. See, we can love a sinner and not agree with her sin. See, we can love people because Jesus loved us even though we don't deserve it. And we can never, ever go wrong. No, former Notre Dame coach made this, this quote, and I absolutely <laughs> fell in love with this thing. He said, burning my neighbor's house down does not make my house look any better. And, you know, criticizing and being ugly or mean-spirited, insulting, uh, prejudice toward another person, it doesn't make us look any better. It doesn't make us look any more godly. It makes us into Pharisees. God's called us to build up, not burn down. And I want you to remember that. Maybe there's someone in your life that you've been overly critical of, and maybe at this moment the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and it may be time for you to stop criticizing and cross the street. Maybe it's time for you to go 
and become their neighbor and just get into their world and be the love of Christ to them. Now, what are we going to do with the Ten Commandments then? What are we going to do with the Ten Commandments? Well, first thing we're going to do is we're going to honor them for what they are. They're a door to abundant life. They've been given to us for our benefit by our Creator. If you want to call it this, maybe the title of this podcast or this episode should be Operator's Manual. And, you know, if nothing else, we have to look at the Ten Commandments as an operating manual for our lives. Not to keep us from doing things that are fun or things that are enjoyable, but to keep us from hurting ourselves. It's a, a framework. It's a structure. It's a, it's, a, it's a buffer that God's placed in our life so that we would live abundant life. No, the other thing we would need to do is we need to make a decision to obey Him. We need to make a decision not to just obey Him as a set of rules that get us closer to heaven. That's not the purpose of the Ten Commandments. But we need to see them in the light of the gospel message. God loves us, we love God, and we love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. So love, love, love. When we look at the Ten Commandments... We need to make a decision to see love there. It's not prohibition. It's not keeping people from doing what they want to do. It's not some killjoy. It's not some celestial masochist that's trying to bring hellfire and brimstone to the earth. It's a God who loves us so very much that he wants the best for us. And we can trust him and we can obey him. Now, the other thing I want to challenge you to do is I would exhort you to challenge your household, your family, maybe just a friend, to memorize the Ten Commandments. Memorize those first four and realize that those are, are geared toward God, our relationship with God. And then take the next six and put them in the frame of loving our neighbor as ourself. And, you know, Martin Luther said this, He said, exhort your household to learn the Ten Commandments word for word, that they should obey God, for if you teach and urge your families, things will go forward. Things will go forward. When you memorize something, you can't help, but but that thing will permeate your life. It will become real to you. It's not just dead words. It's something that has life. And all of a sudden, you start seeing the Ten Commandments, for what it's really for. Now, I want to challenge you that over the next two weeks that you would take time to memorize the Ten Commandments and also to meditate on the Ten Commandments. Meditate on the reasons possibly that God placed those commandments in our life. Take time to thank God for the Ten Commandments and start loving the Ten Commandments. Fall in love with the Ten Commandments and let them become central to your life not because we're going to become legalistic or not because we're going to become better than other people. That's absolutely ridiculous. Anyone that thinks that way is so far gone and so off base biblically. But the reason we have those rules is so that we will not hurt ourselves and we won't hurt other people. God has great plans for your life, and it's going to be a challenge. You know, sometimes we, we don't bat a thousand. You know, if you think about your spiritual walk, 
maybe as a baseball game, let's try to bat 100, 200, 500, 600, you know, and little by little grow in our obedience. Maybe there's some that are more challenging to you than others, but you're going to take time to pray through those and apply them to your life. I want to encourage you with the words of St. Maximus, the confessor. He wrote these words in 500 AD. He said, let yourself die while striving rather than living in laziness. For those who die while trying to keep the commandments are just as much martyrs as those who died for Christ's sake. You know, let's die trying to keep the commandments. Let's live our lives with joy, with love, with the grace of the Lord every day of our life. And let's do it attempting, learning to obey God's commands and realizing that he's done it for our benefit. I want to thank you for staying with me this week. Thank you so much for all of your positive feedback. Subscribe, rate, and please continue to share. Until next time, God bless you, and I pray that you continue to go deeper in your walk with the Lord.